Hello and welcome to another Hull Is This uh, podcast. I'm Jerome Whittingham. I'm the editor of Hull Is This and I'm also a local photographer, as you may well know. It's International Women's Day on Sunday the 8th of March, but actually Hull Women's Week starts this Friday, the 6th of March. Uh, that's a whole week of activities uh, designed to challenge gender inequalities and inspire women to be great achievers. So for this podcast episode, uh, we have two guests. Both are women and both are high achievers. Let me introduce them to you. First is Emma Latimer. Emma is the NHS Hull's Clinical Commissioning Group's Chief Officer. In fact, she's more than that. She's also looking after the CCG for North Lincolnshire and the East Riding. Hello, Emma. Morning. My second guest is uh, the Chair of the Health and Wellbeing Board in Hull, that's Labour Councillor for Southcoats, Hester Bridges. Good to see you both. Um, you've both taken part in uh, an exercise where you've written letters to your former self. Emma, can you tell me whose idea was this? Where did this idea come um, from? The idea was generated by a number of women in the city who um, have all had very different journeys um, in life. Um, and we, we sort of got together. So there was the bishop, there was Hester, um, the vice-chancellor of the university, uh, Jane Stafford, who, who's been involved in the voluntary sector and now is involved in the university. And really, we, we just wanted um, to try and encourage as many uh, young girls and women in the city um, to do the best they can possibly do and to try and help them overcome some of the barriers that people still face, unfortunately, um, particularly women. Um, so as a group of, of leaders, as I say, who've all had loads of experience, we thought it'd be really good to get together and talk about how we can try and break down some of those barriers. And actually, if we knew now what we knew then, what would have changed? So we decided that writing less to our younger self would be a way of, of trying to help people. I mean, there's so many pressures on people now, especially young women, in terms to look good. You know, Instagram's full of people, yeah. you know, with lots of cosmetic surgery, the right clothes, this, that and the other. That doesn't necessarily mean you're successful, what you wear how you look doesn't necessarily mean you're a success and I think we want to tell people that they can be the best they, they can possibly be without any of that uh, and what matters is that people feel empowered and able um, to access things and, and have the opportunities that they should do and I think that was really the, the reason behind it. Yeah, yeah. Hester, did you find a, uh, an easy exercise to engage with? I found it quite difficult actually because it actually re required you to really think about your own um, journey and, you know, how you'd um, got to where where we are. And, I mean, I, I don't think of myself as a high achiever, but I've been on a journey like many other women and I suppose I feel lucky enough to have got to where I am to be doing what I'm doing um, and doing something I love. And I hope that, you know, um, by the work that we're um, doing, that we can inspire more girls and young women in the city um, to be able to, as Emma says, to have those um, opportunities and break through barriers um, and to gain um, the self-esteem and confidence uh, mm. that you need to be able to make those, you know, um, steps forward to do to do what you want to do, uh, which can some days be a real challenge. So let's see which of you is brave enough to go first. Shall I pick on one of you, Emma? <laughs> okay, well, mine's quite simple, a bit like me, really. Um, so I wrote a note to myself, aged 11. Just a number of key points, really, rather than a letter. So the first one was around valuing difference, because it's okay to be so. You know, we shouldn't all be the same. Tell the truth and tell it first. You'll always get found out, whatever you think. Don't ever be afraid to ask for help from anyone. 
Be the best you can possibly be, no matter what obstacles life may throw your way. Be curious. You never stop learning. Laugh with others, not at others. Help people. It makes you feel good. The latest thing doesn't make you happy or better than anyone else. Believe me. Cherish every day with the people you care and love. You never know when it may be your last. A handbag is for Christmas. Memories last a lifetime. Lose the filter on social media. People love the real you. Your weight and your appearance doesn't define who you are or your worth. And get a dog. They truly are a woman's best friend and will love you unconditionally. <laughs> do you have a dog at the moment? I do. Rupert. What, Rupert. What sort of dog is he's Rupert? He's a Labrador. Oh, right. Um, yeah, I don't have him full time, unfortunately. Mm. Um, but he's absolutely amazing and brings me so much happiness and love. Oh, that's great. One thing that really caught my um, eye and my ears as you were reading that is this uh, tell the truth and tell it first. You'll always be found out. Now, what's the story behind that? Why, why have you put that phrase? Because in? I think it's really important. And and having a job in public life, people are, are often really disappointed when when public leaders don't take accountability for what they do. And I've always believed you can't ever defend the indefendable. So you know, if something's gone wrong, I believe most people come to work to do a good job. Nobody wants to make mistakes, but mistakes happen. But the the thing you need to do is just say this has happened. And people, people will respect you a lot more for it. And also you can learn from it. And I think that that's really my, my key. I think, you know, you see a lot of people trying to defend things that I don't feel you can defend. And I just think often, you know, you will be forgiven um, if you tell the truth. And, and I think it causes people a lot of stress and anxiety if they don't tell the truth. So I think that's it's always been something, you know, I'm very accountable for the job I do. I've been accountable since the, the day I joined the NHS when I was 18. And I've never lost that. And I think it's really important that people, it's okay to make mistakes and things happen all the time. But, you know, if you tell the truth often, you know, you'll feel a lot better straight away rather than carrying that with you as people do. And and, and it can cause lots of other people pain as well. So I think that's really what I, what I was trying to say. Yeah, so, yeah, I wanted to sort of give you an opportunity to sort of lift some burden oh, from your shoulders. I mean, no, I mean, obviously, you know, <laughs> a little white lies, I guess, in, you know, or, you know, people tell. But I think this was more about... You know, people just, it's okay to, to make mistakes. It's okay to get things wrong. People won't judge you for it. But I think people probably will judge you more if you don't tell the truth about things. And I think that's what I was trying to say. What what stood out for you, Hester, in Emma's letter? I think um, valuing difference is really important. And I think that that appreciation that people are different, but that everyone, um, you know, has qualities and um, sometimes I think it's really difficult for um, you know, children um, to understand, um, you know, that it's o- it's okay to be different, and it, it, and those pressures continue as you as you as you grow up. I think you know if you can value difference and value what you know somebody is, uh, that's that's really important. Uh, um, that that stood out for me. I follow both of you on Twitter, and are you also on Instagram as well? Yeah, uh, you are. Um, what what goes through your mind when you see what people are posting all the time on on social media? I think it's really disappointing. Uh, some of the stuff you see. I mean, I don't use Instagram very much, but I do use um, Twitter for work, Facebook for friends, really. But I have very limited. I put very limited things on there. But when I see you know young girls and and you know celebrities, um, you know with loads of designer gear, faces full of the latest whatever. 
you know, there's a lot of pressure on people to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that puts a lot of pressure, you know, it causes bullying. If people don't like things and they don't get friends commenting, that causes lots and lots of anxiety for people. You know, the, the mental health uh, and the issues that children face, you know, goes up every year. It's unbelievable how social media has impacted on the lives and families of, of children. And, young, and I just don't think people understand, you know, sitting behind a, a phone making comments anonymously about people, how, how much impact that has on people's lives. People really need to think carefully about what's happened. You know, we only have to listen to the media quite recently, you know, in the, mm. in the very tragic case of Caroline Flack, you know, mm. it's heartbreaking mm. that somebody would go to those lengths because of the pressure that she felt under to deal with day-to-day life because of people trolling, making comments. Those people didn't know Caroline. They didn't know mm. what she was going through, and yet they felt uh, able to comment and make those vicious um, you know, statements about her. And I just think people really need to think about, you know, you know, what, why are they doing it? What are they getting from it? And is that really going to help anybody? Social media is good for lots of things in terms of connecting people, keeping people together and reducing isolation, but only if it's used in a responsible and caring manner, not in the way that it's, it's used now where people just feel it's, it's acceptable yeah. to make really awful comments about people. So, you know, I think it's good to sort of talk about positive things you know, helping people communicate, but I think it's abused far too much and the, and the industry has to do more to regulate that. Yeah, it, it can be a force for good, though. Yes. Yeah. We're trying with Hull is This to put all the, you know, to use social media and other media platforms to, to put these positive messages out there. Hester, do you feel perhaps, do you feel you've missed out during your childhood um, by not having those sort of communications? tools available to you no i i I don't feel like i did miss out i think uh, as emma says i think you know it it creates a lot of pressure for young people um my childhood wasn't you know perfect but um you know i actually just enjoyed um you know the freedom that i had to be able to go out um and you know just enjoy playing out and um you know going around to friends spending a lot of time reading um and escaping through storytelling and actually you know i don't feel like I lost anything by not, you know, having that access to social media. But, you know, I, I know that there are the positives, um, but I think for young people um, it, it, it can be, it can put a lot of pressure on them um, to have certain ideas about how they should look, what weight they are. Um, so, you know, all sorts of is- issues around body image, you know, just an expectation, um, again, that difference isn't acceptable and then that it's all right to actually criticise people um, about how they look or the fact mm-hmm. that they're different or uh, that they've got different views. Um, so it goes, you know, all the way through from how you look to, um, you know, actually what your views are. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's a sad reflection of society and, you know, hope that actually some of the things that have happened recently, as Emma's already talked about, can actually make us reflect and think, you know, that we need to be really, you know, careful um, in what we in what we say. And also that actually, you know, it's more about, you know, it should be about, you know, being kind to other people Mm. and valuing, you know, who they are and what what they've got to say. Mm. And it shouldn't always be this jumping in to, like, want to criticise people or really sort of attack people. I think, you know, there's other examples. Um, You know, there was the um, young boy who was being bullied um, for how interested he was in, books etc and um and you know and then you know the media social media absolutely 
stood up and said how important it was for him to be able to, you know, enjoy reading, etc. So there are positive examples, but I think we as a a society need to push more of that um, and not to let it go on being such a a negative force. Yeah. The trouble with social media is that it can amplify everything, Mm -hmm. can't it, Mm -hmm. beyond what is natural, really. Um, Emma, you speak in your letter about cherishing the time you have with other people. And having, you know, laugh with others, having a good, some laughter with friends. Uh, that's about work-life balance as well, isn't it? And yeah. yet you're, you've taken on a huge amount. I have. Is, what, how do you feel your, your work-life balance is? It's challenging. I don't have any children, unfortunately, um, which, you know, is something that, I, again, a big regret for me. But it, I suppose not having children helps me has helped me um, balance. Uh, as I say, I've got some fantastic people that work with me and, you know, I rely on them a lot and they support me an awful lot. So I'm very lucky to have those people mm-hmm. and to have the people that work alongside me, either in my organisations or with partners like Hester in the local authority. You know, I've been in Hull now for 10 years and it's a great place to be. You know, everyone's warm and friendly. I've worked in the NHS for 30 years and spent the last 10 here and um, I've never known a place like it. And it's quite magical, really. And and the way that people connect to one another to try and do the right thing. I think the value set of people in Hull is amazing. And so I, I love coming to work on the basis that you come to a to a place with like-minded people who really do want to do more than just um, commission healthcare. Because by commissioning healthcare, we're almost meeting a need too far you know it's too far down the road really what what we want to be doing here is looking at trying to address the wider determinants of health around education skills employment self-esteem confidence so that people don't fall into healthcare at an early age and and, and then become reliant on it and that's not about money that's about quality of life and the importance of all of those things that make somebody happy yeah um, and that's what that's what you know i don't see myself as as a health service manager that's here just to commission cancer services and cardiac services, I'm here to try and prevent people needing healthcare as early as they do mm. um, by working with others um, and trying to get people into a different mindset. And that's your role, isn't it, Hester? You're chair of the Health and Wellbeing Board. I am, yes. Yeah. 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 You know, what Emma said there really about the, um, you know, why we do the job, I think that is really important. It's defined everything I've done to, um, you know, since I, you know, I did social work um, and then, you know, I went into uh, working in residential care for a short period of time, went into supported housing. Mm. And actually, um, when I'm not being a counsellor and chair of the Health and Wellbeing Board, work at Citizens Advice. Yeah. Um, and actually, it's because I want to, you know, support people to actually, you know, for their lives to get better. It would be great if we could think that we, you know, could do more um, as a city, and I think we already do a, a vast amount, but if we could do even more to support um, children and young people mm. um, to actually feel that they've that got that you know best start in life, yeah. and that they've got that support around them um, in the um, you know community that is whole, because really you know people say it's like a big village, yeah. um, and it is. I think the people that live in Hull do have such um, big hearts, really, and um, they you know they want to actually. Um, do what they can um, to look after um, those in the local area and help them and make things better. So, you know, if we all pull together on um, trying to work harder to, I suppose, value each other mm. um, and value what people people have to to offer and what they and how how we can support them to 
make improvements, but that does take work on the wider social determinants. If you if you live in a, a damp house, it's yeah, quite difficult yeah. um, to think that you can, you know, that you can um, look after your health and you can concentrate on how you feel about yourself mm. and. Um, you know, maybe trying to give up some bad habits, which mm. might be, you know, smoking, etc. So, you know, we have to we have to work on these wider social determinants to actually start to make a real difference mm. um, to people that live in the city. Let's learn a little bit more about your start in life and the advice you've written to your younger self. Your letter, please. One of the things that was uh, really important for me to put in this letter, I didn't want it to be my whole letter. I said to myself, my younger self, I would tell you that how you look isn't as important as you think. Um, dieting was a bad idea. Being thin doesn't make people love you more and you can't achieve anything if you can't think properly. Body image is a problem for most women in one way or another. So ultimately you have to learn to accept yourself and be, be what you can be happy with. Uh, be kind to yourself because being self-critical is bad for your soul. Um, I think that last bit sounds quite cliched, uh, but I think it's true. If you're um, constantly criticising yourself in one way or another, you're always going to be um, feeling unhappy with yourself um, and that, that isn't good for you. You know, it, it can really impact, obviously, on your mental health, but it can also impact on your relationships with others, um, your motivation uh, to do things. And, you know, it, it really is about you know, trying to be kind to yourself and kind to others. That really does create um, opportunities um, that you wouldn't sometimes believe were possible. So, yeah. I think a, a degree of self-reflection is fine, isn't it? As long as you actually learn and yes. put something in, in place. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, as Emma said earlier, you know, we all make mistakes um, and we all, you know, sometimes make bad choices, situations, push us to make certain choices. And I think it's having those experiences actually, you know, uh, makes us what we are. Uh, but if we can learn from them and, you know, move on, you know, work with others to say, you know, actually I made these mistakes. Um, this is what I decided to do in response to um, what was happening for me. But actually it had a really, it had really negative consequences mm. and don't, don't let that, you know, shape shape your, you know, experiences in your life. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's difficult because, you know, you look back and sometimes, you know, you look back and you almost can feel ashamed of what some things that have happened. But then actually, I think it's, as I say, using those experiences to actually um, move on, um, help others just um, be the best you can be, but help others to be the best they can be. Did you find as a child, particularly a student at school or at college, that you were you were being almost forced or, you know, directed along a particular route? Do you think um, sort of careers advice is is still maybe um, too academically orientated? Did you find anything like that? Yeah, definitely. I went to a school in the local area, not in Hull, but just um, out um, in the East Riding. And there was a heavy expectation that, you know, I was going to um, achieve and I was going to be a high flyer. I was going to go to university and it would all be, it, it, would, it was all very academically focused. And actually, you know, that pressure was really difficult to cope with uh, because there was so much expectation. And then things didn't go as well 
as people hoped. And then, you know, then it can make you feel like you've not what, you know, other people want you to be. So I said in my letter, people can expect all they want of you, but that you're, you're not there to fulfill their ambitions. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important that people don't feel that they have to do what other people want them to do. Um, that they can do, you know, what they, what they want to do. So, yeah. you know, I don't yeah. think the teachers at my school thought that I would end up, you know, looking after people in a residential care home, but actually, you know, that was part of the journey um, to, you know, sort of like now where I am doing what I'm doing. And actually, if I look back, that was one of the most valuable things that I did, you know, actually looking after other people um, in that way, you know, doing personal care really does teach you so much about, you know, what's important in life um, mm-hmm. and what, what isn't. Emma, you said you joined the NHS in your first role when you're 18 years old yep. and you're still here. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that, that to me indicates some sort of element of design on your behalf. That you wanted to pursue this career within the NHS. Is that right? Um, no, I, what I wanted was a job that, I mean, I, unfortunately I lived in um, poverty, childhood poverty. You know, I grew up pretty quickly. So I felt like almost like my child had been taken away and, and not blaming anybody, but I just wanted a job that paid regularly. And there was a woman that lived around the corner who worked for the civil service. And um, I used to see what she did. I thought, that seems like a good job. I wonder whether I could aspire to do that. So I was lucky enough to, you know, to live in a family where, you know, we did have access to books, you know, quite well read. So I wasn't bright, bright, but I, I did okay. And mm. I worked as hard as I possibly could to get, um, a, you know, a, a reasonable level of, of um, qualifications. There was never any... Uh, discussion about university because we just couldn't afford it. It wasn't even on the radar. So the only way that I, the only thing I thought of, I just want a job that pays every month, that regularly pays. And so it has to be with the government or something. And so I went to the careers office when I was 18. Uh, my parents actually moved to Scotland when I was 16. And I, try, I started to try and do A-levels, but again, just because I didn't have enough resource, I couldn't carry on. So after a year, I, f- I fell out of, of, of uh, college and then ended up um, going to careers office in uh, October 1989. And I got two jo- job interviews. One was for the NHS and one was for the civil service, both as clerical officers. I, I went for the interviews. I got both jobs. One was the civil service was £500 more, which in those days was quite <laughs> a lot of money, but I'd already gone because they'd offered me the NHS job first I took that I started work on the 3rd of January 1990 as a clerical officer working in an office of 13 women where I uh, did all the filing every day and made all the uh, drinks all the brews as they were called and went for to had to go and get them breakfast every day and do all but it was great because it was you know really good so I I absolutely started at, at the bottom as an office junior and um, but the NHS was has been a great employer for me because it's allowed me to, to support me through all my training and mm. education. So I was able to do all of that additional education, university education, whilst I was working. And so um, I've had some great mentors and role models in my time. I've had some difficulties, I have to say, being a woman and working in an ambulance service in Greater Manchester for an early part of my, it was really interesting in terms of gender inequality, etc. But I've been really, I think I've been really, I've worked really hard and I've been really lucky. I never, ever thought I was going to be a chief executive, director, whatever. I just wanted a job. And as I say, I've worked with some brilliant, brilliant people because I I didn't get here just because of me. I got here because I worked with some really good people. I've picked some really good people to work alongside me. 
and I value difference. And I think as you get older, you value difference more. Yeah. Because I used to like people like me when I was younger. <laughs> and then I realised that having a room full of people like me isn't a good idea because you, know, you okay. need people to sort of slow you down yeah. Um, yeah. you know, have a different perspective on life. And I think, again, experience and age tells you that. And when you get the best team, you bat for, you know, you, you bat well because you've got that huge range of um, interests, uh, curiosity, skill set. And I think when you when you get that good team um, and you constantly look at your, your own performance and review how you are, I think, you know, I will never, ever stop learning till the day I die, I hope. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, nothing, I'm not perfect. Life isn't perfect. People aren't perfect. But the value set of the NHS resonates with my own value set. Mm-hmm. Free at the point of use, you know, doesn't recognise what you do. If somebody needs healthcare, they get it. And that is why I like it. So... I've worked, I'm, I'm lucky to work in, a, in a, a profession that absolutely resonates with me and how I feel about uh, inequality. So, and, and I suppose so I've, just, I've been really lucky. I never thought I'd ever get to this position in, in my life in, in a job, but it's, it is only a job, but it does make you feel good because you feel yeah. as though you're doing something worthwhile. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's not about profit and loss. Yeah. What's important to me is that people don't get ill. And when they are ill, they get really good care and treatment. Put right, yeah. The International Women's Day, the, the strap line is uh, an equal world is an enabled world. And also, um, well, we were challenged to ask the questions, uh, how will you help forge a gender equal world? We have come on in leaps and bounds, surely, haven't yeah. we, in the last decade or so. But what do you feel, Hester, are the sort of barriers to women and young girls at the moment uh, within education, within employment, within communities and society? Yeah, I think we have come on um, in leaps and bounds. I think, um, you know, certainly in education now, I think, you know, when I hear my son talk about what he's learning at school and, um, you know, the fact that they focus on inspirational women um, in the local area and um, they do challenge stereotypes. Um, So he was telling me a story about um, how there was, um, a girl in the class who wanted to be a magician and um, some of the boys were laughing at her. So he was saying, yeah, that's really silly, isn't it, Mummy? Because actually, you know, if a girl wants to be a magician, she can be. And, um, and I was saying, well, of course, you know, I said, it you know, it doesn't matter um, whether you're a girl or a boy and, you know, you can be all these different things. It doesn't mean that, you know, um, you can't. So um, it's interesting that they they do really focus on that now mm. in schools um, and challenging stereotypes. But I think um, it is an ongoing battle, though, um, because through whatever means, it does seem that um, some of the stereotyping um, does, you know, continue to uh, pervade uh, our society. Um, but just, I suppose, more in pockets than as it used to be that everyone had these um, beliefs and, um, you know, it was very difficult. Um, So, you know, when my mum finished school, you know, she said that the expectation she was, was, should either be a a teacher or a nurse. Um, And actually she decided to be a teacher, Mm. Um, but she said there was no, there was no choice. And now I think that has changed um, and people are um, girls and young women are encouraged into all sorts of different um, industries, et cetera. And I think being able to have those opportunities uh, to have work experience in those different industries, I think is really important uh, for, for young women 
you know, just to be able to have that um, confidence that actually there's no reason why they shouldn't. And I think that's something that we have to keep um, pushing and that we have to keep as women have to keep challenging. Um, again, going back to social media, I read a really amusing story yesterday about a woman who was stood in a priority uh, queue at the airport and um, a man had said to her, um, excuse me, can I get past because this is the priority queue? And uh, she'd said, oh, well, actually, um, I'm meant to be in this priority queue. Uh, you know, I might be a woman, but I'm meant to be here. So, you know, um, right. and actually through throughout life, we do have to keep, you know, challenging. And, you know, when you're here, I suppose really what you what we could best think of as wrong messaging, mm. um, then we, we should challenge that mm. um, and be brave enough to do that. Um, because as a woman, it sometimes does take bravery to be able to say, you know, no, it's not acceptable to say that. I've had many an example in the council mm. of... Um, of men perhaps uh, getting the wrong idea. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just we ought to begin wrapping up really. Final question to each of you really. Who inspires you? Is there a a woman currently in the news or an historical figure, someone you've known personally, somebody who's famous, who has inspired you? I'd say there's a range of people that inspired me uh, through my life. Some some have been, um, some have been women and actually some have been men I have to say. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for some of those men. You know, some men do actually have emotional intelligence <laughs> uh, and, and some have been supportive. And there's there's a couple of people in, in my career and they've, they've been men mm. who, ha- who have supported me, mm. you know, when other men have, have been quite condescending, you mm. know, about the fact I've got blonde hair, et cetera, mm. et cetera. And I've actually called them out on that. So I think, you know, th- there's a lot of people inspiring me. I mean, people like, um, you know, our local MP, uh, Diana Johnson, you know, yeah. mentioned her before, you know, the way that she stands up for the people in this city over things that she's done around the scandal around the blood, I think have been fantastic. You know, that's what you want MPs to do, mm. um, really to challenge and not to give up. She, you know, she, she never gives up until she's seen something through. So somebody like Diana who challenges, Dame Diana, who challenges the cause and doesn't give up, Whatever door is is sort of you know shutting effect. I think she to me is is an example of a really good role model as a woman. That there are lots of other people in my life, but I probably haven't you know thought too long and hard about it. Um, but I would say you know as a local role model, she's probably somebody who I, who I actually think articulates uh, for people who don't have a voice and and can't you know and can't really say. And, and she really does challenge that, and she doesn't give up. And I think that's a a really good quality to have. What about you, Hester? Who's inspired you? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree with um, Emma in saying that, you know, actually for me, um, you know, it was it was my dad um, mm. that was um, a huge inspiration um, when I was young, when I was growing up. If it hadn't been for him, I think there'd be times where I would have given up and not kept going. But he always he always did keep keep going, and he got you know made redundant during the recession, um, set up his own business, mm. and so on. And you know just didn't ever give up. Um, but more importantly, just um, in terms of the, the support uh, that he gave to other people. Yeah, another uh, person for me, I suppose again, family was uh, my gran. Um, and I think, you know, she, she was born in uh, approximately 1900. And, um, you think what she saw and what she, you know, what she, um, experienced in her lifetime. And she went through a lot of tough times. 
she was always, always cared about other people um, and wanted to hear about their lives and wanted to hear what they'd been doing and never wanted to talk about herself, um, just wanted to find out and always had that sense of humour. So even if someone was having a really, um, you know, rubbish time, that she'd be able to like laugh with them and, hmm. um, you know, get them to uh, go away um, to get on with the day with a smile on their face. But yeah, um there isn't anyone I particularly want to name, but I think, as Emma said, you know, locally, we've got so many um, examples of um, women that are really inspirational um, that just get on and do what they do. Actually, I will mention one, um, Karen Okra. Yes, um, I think Karen, um, yeah. she's amazing she's in amazing, what yeah. she does and really doesn't um, probably get her, her just reward for it um, at all. But she does it because she cares so much and she's so passionate about it. Mm. Um, and everywhere she goes and how she really cares uh, for the people that she works with and how she gets them to feel better about themselves and not feel so isolated mm. um, and get involved in community events um, and puts on community events, um, both in my local area and all across Hull, all and how she gets involved and is a real um, you know, voice for the city as well, mm. um, which you know has continued for years but was obviously uh, predominant during the City of Culture year she just goes on to whole women's week and um, you know karen is the person that's helping organize um and shape it all she's always there banging banging the drum um for for the city but also mm. for women in particular mm. uh, which i think is what makes her who she is um and how uh, the reason that everyone knows um, who she is um, yeah, and what so she does. Um, so, yeah. I think I first came across her maybe 10 years ago when I was doing some youth work in the east of the city. Uh, we used to end up at regular meetings together and I'd bump into her at different arts and cultural events. And every time I see Karen, I get a big cuddle mm. and we always say, we must have that coffee. Yeah. And I still haven't done so. So maybe next week, her <laughs> <laughs> busiest week. She, I, I mean, I've never known her. anyone so creative. Mm. Um, and inspirational for a community. You know, the, 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 some of the things she tells me um, that are going on, just they just blow my mind. It's in, so inspiring. And I think just like Hester, you know, my grandmother, my mum's mum again, was probably because my mum and dad moved away when I was younger. Um, she was almost like, you know, my, my mother really. Um, and just, you know, made me a cup of tea, made me breakfast, you know, ironed the odd thing, things like that I'd never been used to. But like you said, always listened and whatever happened, whatever my day was like or however my life was going, she would always, you know, put her hand on my hand and say, you know, you know, don't worry, you know, darling, things will be all right. And, you know, that, that you forget that, though, I mean, she's been dead 10 years now, but, you know, she she had a ma she was a massive, massive part of my of my life and somebody that I'm hugely grateful for, for believing in me when I didn't really believe in myself. It's been really lovely to chat to you both. Thank you for sharing your letters and all the thoughts around them. Uh, I understand the more letters are going to be on display next week. Is that right? That's right, Esther. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yes, yeah, so we've been working uh, with um, the university and um, the whole library service um, to put on um, just a small exhibition at Hull Library. Um, Central next, Library. The Central Library, yeah. yes. Um, um, that's going to be on um, all next week. Um, it's just a small selection of the letters that um, the women that we've talked about have done. And really, it's to try and encourage other 
um, you know, women to come forward um, and write uh, write their letters. But it doesn't have to be a letter. You know, it can be, you know, they might want to send a text. Yeah. Um, you know, they might want to do, uh, young women might want to fancy doing a blog yeah. uh, about something that they want to um, express. So, you know, we're quite open to, um, you know, where this is going to go. But uh, we just hope that it will really build um, that movement that already exists of women uh, supporting other women in the city and, you know, encouraging uh, women to be the best that they can be. And I think that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to make it simple so anyone can write a letter or a, a post-it note or do a text. And we wanted every school and every every everywhere to do it so that, you know, again, it becomes very inclusive mm. and that it drives a movement and it makes people believe. And also, you know, just one, one thing just might trigger a thought in somebody's mind or a view or somebody's story might just help somebody who's going through something really difficult or tricky. And what we're trying to say is we're all human beings. It doesn't matter what we do you know, what job we do, where we've come from. We all feel things, we all learn, and we want everyone to have the same opportunities from whatever background they come. Nothing should be a barrier. So thank you for listening. I hope you found this podcast inspiring. Whole Women's Week takes place from Friday the 6th of March through to the following Friday. You will find those activities going on at Hull Central Library. You'll be able to read more of the letters that have been produced. Hull is this will try to keep you up to date with all of the activities during Hull Women's Week. So do make sure you're following at Hull is this on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even now LinkedIn. It's been really good to be in your ears. Until next time, goodbye.